Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tong. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. I am your host, Peter Tung. Thank you for joining us today. These shows will give you an insight into how the planet is shifting in frequency and vibration to a new level of awareness and how you can be part of this grand awakening. And I am delighted to welcome today Paul Elder, who has written a beautiful book called Eyes of an Angel. Paul has experienced three near-death experiences and many out-of-body experiences, which he explains with great clarity. Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you, Peter. Pleasure to be here. Well, perhaps you could begin by telling us about the, the very first near-death experience you had and what that was like. Well, as you, as you mentioned, I've had three. Um, the first um, was a drowning at the age of 12, and of course the second was a car accident at 17, and the third was a heart attack while I was playing hockey in the middle of a hockey game. And each one of those um, experiences was very profound, and had they not happened to me, I wouldn't have believed them. The, um, as I mentioned, the first, or as you asked about, the first, uh, the drowning, um, really probably was a very significant event in my life. However, I would not have recognized it or not thought so. Um, that event in itself was really quite remarkable. But when you're 12 years old and something happens like that, and afterwards you're okay, it's sort of like, whoa, that was weird. <laughs> and I just knew that I couldn't tell my friends about it um, because they'd get these funny stares and them thinking that perhaps I had some water in the brain. <laughs> um, it was actually, um, it, in and of itself, it was sort of inexplicable. And maybe because of that quality of, of being so remarkable that uh, I just always kept that inside, or for the most part, I told a few people. Um, but it was really quite remarkable, and I didn't realize at the time how that had changed my life. The, uh, I'll just you know, sort of briefly go back over the, the episode. We had been, uh, my little brother and I, this is, I was 12, and, uh, and my little brother and I and a couple of our cousins from a, a larger city were out on the prairies, um, and we had in our area, we had a number of ponds and uh, um, bodies, little bodies of water beside the highway that they called dugouts, uh, and that, of course, is where the municipality um, would uh, needed dirt um, for the roads, so they would dig these holes. <clears throat> At any rate, they were f filled with water in the summertime, and so we had always been warned not to go near these things because uh, my brother and I couldn't swim. And uh, on this particular Saturday, of course, um, we found a abandoned raft that the neighbor's kids had left there. And so before you know it, we were bouncing about um, on this raft in the middle of this 15-foot pond. And um, as luck would have it, uh, the elder of the cousins um, thought that it would be great fun, considering that uh, we were terrified of water, to rock this raft and and I fell in the water. And it was, it was such an interesting thing at the time. Now, when I look back, I just can't even imagine it, because at 12 years old, I mean, I didn't have a lot of exposure having grown up in the Paris to um, swimming pools or things of that nature, so I just knew I couldn't swim. 
And so it was virtually instant. Uh, my head went below the water and uh, landed in the water and immediately went below and uh, started to sink. And the strange thing, before I got to the bottom and uh, could feel my feet sink into the mud, the air came out and the water came in. And I had always thought that drowning would be a horrible way to die. We've all experienced that, where you take in a big gulp of water instead of instead of air, and the fighting frustration and that horrible feeling of not being able to breathe. But it wasn't that way at all. As soon as the air goes out and it's replaced by water, it was like complete peace came over me. The lungs don't struggle when they're full, and and I, and I just um, found myself in this remarkable, peaceful state of mind. And I was actually surprised at it. But I guess it makes sense because that's how we came into life. We spent the first nine months of our lives in a liquid environment. So this feeling was just uh, sort of remarkable. And the only thing that I wanted to do eventually, I mean, sort of no oxygen, uh, you know, into the system. Uh, eventually, I just felt very tired, like I wanted to fall asleep. And eventually, everything faded to black and I fell asleep or it seemed like sleep. And the next thing I knew, and I'm not sure how long this episode of unconsciousness was, but I don't think it was very long because with one of these snapping sensations, I was back and I was completely conscious and completely aware. And I was aware that I was still in the water, but something had changed significantly because even though I was still in the water, it felt like I was in a bubble of energy of some sort. And inside this bubble of energy were all the colors of the rainbow, just sort of vibrating colors all around me in the water. And by then, I was pretty much on my knees in, in the mud at the bottom, or just sort of um, half floating, I guess, with the upper part of my body. And I remember running my hands, waving my hands about through these colors, being so amazed that I could feel them. They vibrated distinctly, and green felt different than blue, and blue felt different than purple and orange, and it was such an amazing thing. And I spent, I don't know how many moments, just waving my hands through the colors, thinking, I didn't know you could feel color. It was such a remarkable thing, these colors passing through my body. So I began to think that this is something significant. This is something very different. And I began to think that possibly I had died or this was what it was what it's like to die. And at that thought, I, at that age, I hadn't had um, any exposure at all to death, really. <clears throat> there had been no members of our family died at that point that I remembered. And so I really had you know, a very little connection with it, with the notion of dying. And the only thing that I had done is a few weeks before I had been reading the book Tom Sawyer. And, I, and this came back into my mind, um, the incident in, in Tom Sawyer when he was believed to have been in the, drowned in the, in the Mississippi and returned home to his own hometown um, to the back of a church for the time of his memorial, uh, wondering who... The, they were burying. And, and this came to mind, and, and the next thing I knew, I went shooting out of the water, 
and in an instant I was floating over the choir loft in the back of our big Catholic church out in the prairies. And it was such a remarkable thing because I was actually flying, just floating about two or three feet above the pews in, in the choir loft looking down on the entire church. And I remember thinking, well, if this is my funeral, where are my parents? Where are all the people that would usually be in church? Of course, it didn't occur to me that it's 4.30 on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> and there was such a, re- a remarkable thing, um, being completely, totally aware. And I felt better than I had ever felt. And yet I was floating and flying. And I th- and this occurred to me, I thought, Tom Sawyer didn't fly. This was so amazing. And I floated for a few moments above the pews, and I found that just with the, my thoughts, I could direct where I floated to. And so while I'm just sort of completely amazed and involved in this um, remarkable um, experience, suddenly I felt a spasm in the center of my stomach. And the next thing I knew instantly, I was on the shore of this, beside this pond, um, my face bobbing in the mud, and my cousin had me around the waist and was pumping the water out of me. And um, so I, um, for a few moments, or a few minutes, I guess, um, I probably vomited to get all the water out. But other than my lungs feeling this sort of burning sensation, I didn't feel so bad at all. And it was just sort of a, a remarkable thing. And, of course, my uh, little brother and my cousins were um, were all sort of in shock, and, and so was I, I guess, to some degree. Um, and so we made this, we, we knew we'd get in a huge amount of trouble. So we made this pact that we'd never tell another human being. And then we walked home slowly to let our clothes dry about a mile and a half away. And when we got home, it wasn't, we probably weren't in, the, in at home for more than 10 minutes. I was outside, and I could hear all the kayaking and cussing in German coming out of our house. And I thought, oh, my God. <laughs> and there's an interesting thing. Um, this is the way sort of things were back in the 60s or whatever. And uh, two kids got a good whipping on that day, and I was one of them. <laughs> That'll teach me to die. <laughs> <laughs> so so you said at the time it wasn't... Um, you had that experience, and it wasn't immediately... Um, clear to you how profound it was. So how did that unfold? Well, I mean, you know, as a 12-year-old, and I mean, uh, we can have certain experiences, and and this was so remarkable. I mean, I tried to tell my cousin, you know, my and my best friend who had pulled me out of this, uh, out of the pond and saved my life, and he just kind of looked at me like, you know, like I had uh, sort of lost some marbles, and, uh, and, and he said, my God, we thought you were dead. You know, and 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 because I was trying to tell him I was flying, and that I thought about Tom Sawyer, and he said, "Tom Sawyer, Jesus, we thought you were dead," and it was such a you know, and I and I tried to tell a couple of other people this as well. I told um, a couple of my sisters what had happened, and they were very uncomfortable with it. Of course, we were raised um, in a strict Catholic family, a large family. There were. Eleven of us, eight eight girls in a row, and then three boys, and um, so it was something that they didn't want to deal with, or other people, uh, you know, wouldn't deal with. And I noticed that when I the few people that I did tell, 
it was sort of like, you know, their eyes are rolling and they're thinking, I've lost my mind. And so I learned very quickly that, you know, this wasn't something, you know, it was just sort of my experience, and and I went through life that way. But what I hadn't paid attention to, and in looking back, I can see it now, and so can, you know, the members of my family, um, it changed me in as much as I became or seemed to become more psychic. We wouldn't have called it that then. I had a way of knowing things or seeing things. So if my sisters, and with eight of them, that certainly happened a lot, if my sisters lost some things, um, they would ask me, and I seemed to have the ability to see it or determine in my mind where it was, and I could go to find it. Of course, when you have eight sisters, pretty soon they began to think that I was the one who took this first place. <laughs> so you knew the solution because you hit it in the first place. Yes. <laughs> so, but uh, you know, and and over the years, it began to um, I began to wonder, uh, you know, about that to some degree, but not until I'd had a you know the, the third near death experience, and then um, began to have out of body experiences. So, Paul, we have to go to our first break right now, um, but we'll return with Paul Elder to hear more about his near-death experiences and his spontaneous out-of-body experiences. This is Peter Tung with special guest Paul Elder. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. How do we walk our true spiritual path at a time when the Western world is fixated on material gain? More people are now recognizing the emptiness, which comes with this limited approach to life. There is another way. Four years ago, Peter Tung left his position as a high school principal with 30 years experience in the education system and turned to his true calling of a metaphysical life. He now uses his experience and wisdom to provide solutions to personal and organizational challenges. Peter offers corporate workshops and seminars, public meditations, radio interviews, healing sessions, and community visits to bring awareness of the new paradigm, the awakening to conscious co-creation. Visit PeterTongue.com today to register for events and to purchase his transformative visualization meditation CDs. You can also download the meditation CDs as MP3s if you wish for listening on your computer or on the go. These are available now at PeterTongue.com. The Waking Dream is a wake-up call to those who are finally ready to change the direction of their lives and the quality of their experiences. Join host Barbara M. Reese every Tuesday evening at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern for your wake-up call. That's The Waking Dream on the 7th Wave Network. Listening on a higher dimension. 7th Wave Network. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. And today we have with us Paul Elder, who is telling us his fascinating story of his near-death experience at the age of 12. And now, Paul, perhaps we could move on to your second 
near-death experience at the age of 17. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. The, um, um, at, when I was 17 years old, I mean, and uh, you have to understand that, I mean, we were, um, when I talk about um, the near-death experiences or the out-of-body experiences, you have to understand that I wouldn't have believed in these things and uh, because it was really not a part of my reality, except that they were happening to me or they did happen to me. And uh, remarkable events in, in themselves. Now, the um, car accident at 17 um, really was a profound event. And um, I didn't realize the full extent of it until many years later when I was taken back to the event by my spirit guides and uh, discovered what had really happened. Um, as I say, at the age of 17, we were um, there was three of us, uh, myself and two friends, driving along uh, a road, and this is up in the Canadian prairies in the, near the end of November, and it was um, uncommonly cold, or not, <laughs> colder than usual, let's put it that way, in, uh, in the night. And uh, we were heading off on a, on a girl um, expedition, and um, at some point, I mean, it was probably a little bit overzealous going 85 miles an hour on a gravel road. And uh, it must have been a, a tire blowout or something of that nature. Um, because the next thing we knew, the car was just uh, careening wildly and spinning around on the road. And we're going down the ditch. And I was sitting in the middle of the front seat. And, of course, back in, we're talking in, like, 1968. So it was, I think the vehicles had seat belts then. Um, but... Uh, we certainly weren't using them. And uh, the, as the car began to flip, um, I remember the windshield exploding inwards, and there was like a shower of glass, and everything turned into slow motion, literally. And I could feel the glass hitting my face, and the next thing I knew, I was unconscious. Um, well, I guess that's, that's sort of a misnomer, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I experienced a period of unconsciousness where I was not aware of anything. And I awoke sometime later. Um sitting in this field, absolutely frozen. And I can't remember exactly, but I think I drifted back to sleep. And um, at some point, I had awakened and became aware of this sort of luminous figure, a very bright being standing in front of me. And I remember shivering um, virtually out of control and, um, and being cold. And uh, this tremendous being simply scooped, stooped, or stooped down or sat down beside me and held me and, and kept me warm in this field. And, uh, and I drifted back into sleep. And moments later, or I'm not sure how much later this was, minutes, I guess, perhaps, um, I became aware of somebody telling me that I had to get up. And the words that I heard from this person, a male voice, said, Paul, you have to get up now or you're going to die. And 
I sat up in this field, and I could see headlights coming in a distance. And this is probably um, 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock at night on, on, the, on the Canadian prairies. So quite dark out already, and, and virtually on an abandoned road. Um, but I saw these headlights coming in the distance, and I knew that I had to get to the highway or get to the road uh, to flag them down, or else we would be all in, 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 in uh, great danger. Somehow, um, I was able to crawl and to run and to get to the road just as this car went by, and thank goodness they saw me. Um, I didn't realize at the time that I was covered with blood. My ear had been virtually cut off. Um, I had numerous injuries from uh, ruptured kidney to a cracked skull and, uh, and all sorts of injuries. And the car stopped, and the window opened up, and, and, and I heard this gasp, and the guy said something like, we'll go and get help. And away they went. And um, so I meandered back into the field, and I became aware of, of my memory cut in, and I, you know, and I thought, oh, my God, where, where are my friends? What's happened here? And I literally stumbled over... Um, over one of my friends in my window, and the car by that time was probably, oh gosh, uh, at least two or th- a couple of hundred feet out into the field, away from the road, and I literally, and it was you know collapsed completely because it had gone over end end for you know several times, and um, I literally stumbled over my friend on the ground, and um, I thought that he was dead. And so um, I couldn't hear him breathing. I couldn't feel any pulse or anything. And I put my head on his chest to see if I could hear his heart beating. And it was such a strange thing because, I mean, my natural reaction was to put my right ear because I'm right-handed and to listen for his breath and to listen for his heart on his chest. But that was the ear that had been practically sliced off in the car accident. And so I heard nothing, and I just this agony inside that he was dead uh, was just so tremendous and I found the, uh, my other friend and he equally was unconscious and I found dead as well and the torment of that was just um, unbelievable and I remember screaming you know, in the night um, um, in the agony of this whole thing and I drifted back to sleep again or, or became unconscious again. And soon I felt the warmth of, um, of this luminous being. Um, and I looked up, and I have no idea how much time had elapsed between these two episodes. And I looked up, and I, and I saw these flashing red lights coming in down the highway at, uh, at quite a distance. And so I knew everything was going to be okay, and it was sort of the, the police car came. And um, the police arrived, and they bundled me up and put me in the back seat of the car, and uh, and and were attending. Called an ambulance and attended to friends, and soon an ambulance arrived and picked up my friends, and I rode in the back of the police car uh, to the hospital. And I remember a young officer sitting beside me, and um, and he kept looking at the side of my head. And, of course, I had no idea why. <laughs> and um, a, f- a few mon- minutes later, before we left for the hospital, 
um, he got out of the car, and, uh, and and I remember looking out the window, watching him vomit and picking. <laughs> but he'd been looking at this mess, tangled mess, on the side of my head, and um, so a lot of that experience I didn't recall or wasn't aware of until many many years later, um, when I had um, began to have out of body experiences. And there's an interesting thing about it. The you know, and uh, I'll give some statistics from uh, this is from IONS, the International Association for Near Death Studies. Um, uh, international or professional body studying the near-death experience and what's involved in it and from a medical point of view and a scientific point of view as well as from that of the experiencer. And there's some remarkable figures, remarkable numbers. Um, for instance, people would not be aware that in North America alone there are over 20 million people that have had a near-death experience. So a huge number. 20 million? 20 million. Wow. And that the U.S. and Canada and Mexico, and um, and it's also estimated that as many as you know, 25 percent of all people um, at this point <clears throat> have had or will have a peak experience in their life, whether it be an out-of-body experience, it would be um, a powerful spiritual experience. Um, so there's some remarkable things seeming to happen. Of course, um, I mean, it's due to science and medicine being able to pull people back from the edge more and more all the time. So people are left with this remarkable experience. And almost without fail, the vast majority of the people that have the experience come back with a very positive um, feeling about it. So people will come back with a new reverence for life and an understanding of things and of change and the importance of love. And that may sound hokey, but that is the reality of it. And so some remarkable things happen to, the pe- to people. <coughs> and, and in that respect, what, what do you mean by love? Ah, well, <laughs> re- and, and, the, and, the, and the case studies are, 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 there are many, many case studies of this. And there's some remarkable things that come out of it. The people have pretty much a common experience. Medical science and doctors and so on um, will say that um, things like, well, it's a lack of oxygen to the brain, and this causes illusions or whatever, or wish fulfillment from the brain because the, the brain understands that the body is in dire straits, and so um, the brain gives the person an experience, a, a positive experience to make them think that everything's okay. Well, if that was the case, and, and and, and it certainly isn't. And you can ask, you know, the, the viewpoints of the 20 million people who have this uh, experience. Um, if that was the case, we would all have different experiences. I'd be on a beach with Cindy Crawford, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be floating about the room. But more or less, people who have the experience describe the things, same kinds of things, very classic kinds of um, experiences. The, the experience of floating out of their body, of seeing their body below them in whatever trauma that they're having, um, perhaps going on towards through the light, um, uh, meeting with um, uh, celestial beings, uh, lumin- luminous beings, or uh, deities, um, or loved ones who've passed on. And this is all very common. So people, whether it's a, an old lady in the Soviet Union or a three-year-old in California, they all pretty much describe the same thing. And if it was wish fulfillment or lack of oxygen to the brain, 
um, wouldn't we be describing different things? And, it's, and in so many ways, I mean, it's sort of condescending for science and medicine to sort of um, arbitrarily dismiss the experiences of these vast number of people who, for them, probably the most significant experience of their lives. Um, so it's, it's sort of, uh, I think, really um, uh, rude and condescending for you know, science to some degree to sort of dismiss that as, as a not real event. <clears throat> and people who had the experience will say that the experience was more real than real. And I've heard that, and we've all heard that, you know, through through the the years on um, on uh, television and on uh, radio and reading books that you know people that had the experience described as more real than real, and they wonder, well, what is that? What do they mean, more real than real? Start to give you an idea of that. So, Paul, we need to go yeah. to our second break, but I want to come back to that when we return because I think one of the pieces that's missing is how profound this experience is, and science doesn't measure profoundness. So uh, we'll chat about that on on our return. So this is uh, Peter Tung talking with Paul Elder about the near-death experience and out-of-body experiences and the profound insights that Paul has gained as a result of these experiences. So please join us after the break. Be Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. How do we walk our true spiritual path at a time when the Western world is fixated on material gain? More people are now recognizing the emptiness, which comes with this limited approach to life. There is another way. Four years ago, Peter Tung left his position as a high school principal with 30 years experience in the education system and turned to his true calling of a metaphysical life. He now uses his experience and wisdom to provide solutions to personal and organizational challenges. Peter offers corporate workshops and seminars, public meditations, radio interviews, healing sessions, and community visits to bring awareness of the new paradigm, the awakening to conscious co-creation. Visit PeterTongue.com today to register for events and to purchase his transformative visualization meditation CDs. You can also download the meditation CDs as MP3s if you wish for listening on your computer or on the go. These are available now at PeterTongue.com. We live in a time of economic uncertainty. Gas prices are up. Health care costs are up. And sometimes the market is down. But studies have shown that by mastering your own energy, you can still live a life of prosperity. Listen to Master Your Energy, Master Your Life with your host, Siobhan Moran. Siobhan will show you how to overcome the negative energy of recessionary headlines and give you tools to deflect the harmful effects of subtle negative energy. Master Your Energy, Master Your Life. Friday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the 7th Wave Network. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. 
If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. And today we have with us Paul Elder, who had three near-death experiences and many spontaneous out-of-body experiences. And before the break, we were just beginning to talk about the absolute profound nature of the near-death experience and how it impacts people. And Paul was saying about this is more real than our normal daily life. So Paul, just expand on that a little bit more. Well, we've often, you know, heard about that, as I mentioned, on, uh, you know, whether it be through um, television or in books or uh, in other experiences. And there's been many, many, many reports of it where people will talk about it in that sense, that this is such a profoundly moving, changing experience in their life. And they talk about it as being more real than real. And just to give you, sort of give, what does that mean, more real than real? And sort of give you sort of a context of it. Um, if you can imagine if you were born with terrible eyesight and then perhaps on your 18th birthday somebody handed you a pair of glasses and said, put these on. And you put them on and you see a whole new world. You see the colors and the definition and the clarity and it would be like, wow, I didn't realize this existed. How can I see? This This is so incredible. That would be probably, I mean, you know, innate the nature of it. You see, because with our physical eyes and with our physical bodies, through our brains, through our organs, we experience the world, but we do not experience it perfectly. The real nature of who we are is conscious vibrational energy. And as I mentioned, we don't see the world perfectly with our eyes. However, from our true state, from the soul state or the conscious living energy state, we can perceive the world with so much remarkable clarity. So everything from the vibration of physical things to the colors, the textures, is so remarkably renewed and vibrant. And, and, and that whole, the, the whole the notion is so wonderful. And so people will commonly come back with this um, sense of awe of of who we really are and the knowing um, and when we reconnect and I think this is sort of the essential uh, truth to this is that by leaving the body and recognizing or existing again consciously, fully conscious in that state of who we really are vibrational conscious energy that we come to recognize um, so many remarkable things. And the memory of who we are makes so much difference to us. Um, It's like downloading or having this access to this huge, vast storage of data and understandings and concepts. And when we're in the physical, we can't quite touch it. We seem to know it's there, but it's sort of on the tip of our tongue, but we can't quite touch it. And so people will come back from these experiences <clears throat> profoundly changed with this positive experience. And the vast majority, I mean, um, 
virtually all people who have the experience, I mean, there are certainly uh, some who have experienced negative experiences in an out-of-body experience uh, or in a near-death situation. However, many of those have been um, induced or perhaps uh, drug-induced or other experiences that have warped, to some degree, warped the reality of the physical person. And so some of those will come back with sort of a negative experience about it. But it is actually quite rare. And so the vast majority have this profound positive experience. It takes away the fear of dying because we know intrinsically that we don't die. Consciousness does not cease to exist. It's a funny thing now, looking back after it, having had three near-death experiences and hundreds of out-of-body experiences, um, it's an interesting thing because I can just, I mean, the reality is, from what I found, is that we, there wasn't the time, I don't think, when we didn't exist. So we have been for a long, long time. We have this notion that we didn't exist until God stuffed this soul into this little baby and, and here we are. But the reality is that we existed long before that. And so through all of these experiences, what what is our true nature and and our purpose for being here in the universe? Well, that's a, a, a very good question, and and I'm, and and I'm moving in that direction, and and I just wanted to um, the nature of who we are, and you can't have an experience like this. I'm just going to finish up the near death experience for the and uh, people who have this experience. Um, profoundly affected. Their lives change. Oftentimes, regardless of how they perceived life before, um, they could have been the most miserable you know, person and now come back and have a whole new point of view on life and, and look at the reality and see the reality that we are all connected and how important it is how we treat each other and that we love. And this sounds like sort of a hokey thing, but lives have changed instantly from those experiences. Um, you can't have an experience like that. You can't have an out-of-body experience where you are fully aware and conscious away from your body or a near-death experience experiencing the same thing. You can't have that experience without re-examining who we are or our notions of who we are and who God is. And I think the, the thing that's, you know, I, that I was trying to say before, um, I can imagine, based on Catholic upbringing, etc., the possibility that maybe I didn't exist before I came here. But now, having had near-death experiences and having had out-of-body experiences, I cannot imagine not existing. I know that there's no such thing as death, that we simply have this transformation and transit into the next environment, and our consciousness remains intact. We remember, we know who we are. The benefit or the bonus of being in the spirit body or in an energy body is the recall that we have of other lifetimes, of other existences, of the, the totality of who we really are. 
And so as I was saying, you, we can't have this experience without re-examining our notions of God or who God is. And I think the best thing, that, or the thing that I've learned, and many, many other people, I mean, this is certainly not uh, unique to me, um, you know, many millions probably before me have recognized this, um, in taking a look at who we are, I think that we are all, each of us, individuated aspects of the Creator. In essence, I think that as a collective consciousness, all of us together, we are what makes up God. And if you were to take that analogy to, uh, or similarly to the ocean, um, if the ocean was all of consciousness, or God, we are the individual drops of water in the ocean. But each of us contains the DNA and the blueprint for the entire ocean. So collectively, we are God, individuated aspects of the Creator, and we are here in an attempt, or the Creator's attempt, at continuing experience and evolution. I'm really interested, actually, uh, that, that, that's profoundly uh, important and, and great detail. But I am actually interested, Paul, in what it's like to have the out-of-body experience. What actually happens to you? Oh, well, hmm. all of consciousness, um, I mean, I, I can describe, I, you know, I can only just sort of, um, I think probably the best example, and I, and I won't spend a lot of time on it, the best example is to you know, sort of give you the, the lowdown on the first time I had an out-of-body experience, not um, within, you know, not related to near death. Um, the last ex- near-death experience I had, uh, I died, uh, had a heart attack in a hockey game, and died on the ambulance or in the ambulance on the way to the hospital, and had this remarkable experience of going home to say good, you know, bye to my wife and my kids, and um, then heading off towards the light and uh, being brought back, um, you know, uh, alive to the hospital, uh, much to my dismay and, uh, you know, distaste. <laughs> I, you, you were ready to go. Oh, it was such a remarkable thing. It was just um, more than anything, I wanted to go home. And I was going home, and I could see the light, and I was moving towards it very quickly. And, the le- and, and there was no pain. There was just this wonderment and absolutely an ache in my heart that wanted to go home. And then suddenly, in an explosion, I'm back in the hospital, and they're um, sticking needles into me, and the pain is back, and so on and so forth. And many, many people describe that kind of experience as well. So, and out of those many, many people that have the near-death experience, as I mentioned, very, very positive experience, life-affirming experience. They, and they can go back to life with such a renewed vigor and a better understanding of who we really are and how we all relate to each other and how the most important thing that we can do, seeing as how we're all connected, is to love each other and to be careful of how we treat each other. And so this is sort of a, 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 a remarkable thing that comes out of it. It changes lives. All right? The, um, now, I've forgotten what you asked, Peter. <laughs> Actually, we're going to have to go to the next break. So I was asking you specifically about what the OBE uh, out-of-body experience is actually like. So we'll go to break now. We'll return uh, with Paul Elder. And in our last segment, we'll talk about the actual out-of-body experience and his experience with remote viewing. So this is your host, Peter Tung, with special guest, Paul Elder. 
Awakened media for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network. How do we walk our true spiritual path at a time when the Western world is fixated on material gain? More people are now recognizing the emptiness, which comes with this limited approach to life. There is another way. Four years ago, Peter Tong left his position as a high school principal with 30 years experience in the education system and turned to his true calling of a metaphysical life. He now uses his experience and wisdom to provide solutions to personal and organizational challenges. Peter offers corporate workshops and seminars, public meditations, radio interviews, healing sessions, and community visits to bring awareness of the new paradigm. The Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Visit PeterTongue.com today to register for events and to purchase his transformative visualization meditation CDs. You can also download the meditation CDs as MP3s if you wish for listening on your computer or on the go. These are available now at PeterTongue.com. Tune into Inner Speak Soul Adventures Talk Radio Show every Tuesday evening at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 Eastern, and learn how to let go of your past and create the reality you desire and deserve, allowing your inner communication to take place more easily without the interference of our noisy mind chatter or your ego. Inner Speak Soul Adventures with Gene Adrian, right here on the Seventh Wave Network. Listening on a higher dimension, Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. And today we have with us Paul Elder. And Paul, you were just about to explain what the actual out-of-body experience was like. Thank you, Peter. Um, we're, we're, I guess we were, to some degree we're sort of running out of time. But I'm going to, so I'll just briefly touch on it because there's some other points that, uh, that I wanted to make or that we wanted to talk about and um, talk about remote viewing and uh, other um, abilities like that. Um, the out-of-body experiences I mentioned, uh, I began to have these experiences um, in, in, spontaneously in my late 30s, and um, just prior to having had uh, the near-death experience, the heart attack, and uh, dying in the ambulance, and so on and so forth. Um, the experiences were so profound when you can be wide awake and aware and totally conscious, more so than you've perhaps ever been, away from your body, and you can look back and see your body, and I think that is sort of the most profound of all of it. When you are conscious, fully conscious, located outside of your body, and seeing yourself in a way that other people would, because ordinarily we don't ever see ourselves, obviously, other than in a mirror or in a photograph or in a video of some kind, um, to experience yourself being away from your body. That is the most profound thing because we come to the understanding that we don't need the body to exist. 
we don't need the brain to exist, and that the brain really is just a bioelectrical relay system that allows us to function in the body. The thoughts originate outside the brain, and the brain performs that relay system to enable us to control our bodies. And it's sort of like the brain, if you need, if we look at an analogy of it, the brain may be the hardware, but the soul or the spirit, our energy, the software, doesn't need the brain to exist. And in these experiences, were you able to direct yourself to wherever you wanted to go? Oh, very much so. And, and so and many, many people that have had the near-death experience also begin to have out-of-body experiences, and they find themselves being able to travel just by thought, to move through different realms, to just simply think of a place or a person and be instantly there. And, and, and this has been you know, proven so many, many times. And I began to have these spontaneous out-of-body experiences, and, I, and it was really, really remarkable. And I found out about a place called the Monroe Institute in Virginia. And it was developed by or uh, set up uh, by a, a person named Robert Monroe, who back in his 40s, um, many, many years ago, back in the early 70s and 60s, began to have out-of-body experiences, spontaneous experiences. And so he set up this non-profit research facility. It has become, over the years, um, a world leader or pioneer in consciousness research. And I found out that this place, you could actually go to it the average person could go to it, and you could spend a week there, and they had these programs that were remarkable. And so I began attending the Monroe Institute. <clears throat> and I spent some time, and they had set up laboratory facilities and things of that nature. And some of the experiences that I had there were very, very profound. They had come up with this te patented technology of sound systems or using stereo headphones to maintain that place in our consciousness between awake and asleep that allows us to access hundreds of levels of consciousness. <clears throat> and, you know, at night when we fall asleep, as you're drifting off and sort of half conscious, you're not, still, you're not fully awake and yet you're not fully asleep, and little hypnagogic images begin to form in your mind and small dream images, and you have this jerking sensations in your body. That's the place of our connection with all other beings in that space. And in that fine balance between awake and asleep are literally hundreds of levels of consciousness <clears throat> that we can explore. And the Monroe Institute, their hemisync technology through stereo headphones, allows us to maintain that state in between awake and asleep indefinitely. And so you, you, there is an ability, there are capability. Uh, it provides the opportunity to for some profound experiences. And simply by thought and by wishes, we can move anywhere. We are conscious living energy. And so I found out about this place and I began to attend there. And some of the experiences that I described to them um, uh, and, and talked about got some interest. And... I found out about, um, it, it, uh, I have to back up a little bit. When I was there, and I met this uh, very quiet, um, mannered lab technician uh, named Skip, and he was the voice on the other end of the headphones when I would be in the, uh, in the check unit, they call it. 
and um, very mild-mannered, just a, a wonderful, quiet person. And I discovered at some point later on, um, I, was, I was introduced to some interesting people, some mysterious people, who, who had been involved in a top-secret um, U.S. intelligence government program that they called remote viewing. And I thought it was so remarkable. And um, they described this, uh, and, you know, was told about this top-secret project and that they literally were able to train psychics or people you know, who were psychic to be able to focus their attention and to connect with any person, place, or thing on this planet. And I thought that's such a remarkable thing. And so subsequently, you know, because of the experiences that I had, um, I ended up the training with um, with a number of the um, uh, the original remote viewing um, Stargate um, Project Stargate um, uh, remote viewers, and now I am the um, remote viewing trainer at the Monroe Institute in Virginia. Wow, that's fantastic! I know that some of the people you were involved with were some of the, the best known, like David Morehouse, Joe McGonigal. That must have been an incredible experience. Unfortunately, though, Paul, we're, we're coming up to the end of the show. So just very quickly, give us um, your website. I know that the book, I've, the re- I've read your book. It's absolutely fantastic, Eyes of an Angel. For anybody who wants to understand what this is really like, it's a profoundly well-written book. Uh, but, Paul, just give us your um, website and what you're actually up to today. We've only got one, uh, well, half a minute, actually, so do that very quickly. <laughs> okay. It's commercial time. The um, Yes, my website is... Um, uh, paul-elder.com or paul-elder.com um, the book is Eyes of an Angel and um, I currently am a remote viewing instructor um, and consciousness instructor at the Monroe Institute in Virginia I live in Vancouver Island in Canada and fly back and forth and I do many many workshops and um, um, here in Canada and in the U.S. as well well thank you Paul it's been a, a fascinating show and I wish we had a lot more time particularly to talk about Project Stargate I'll have you back on the show at, at another time. So uh, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Peter. My pleasure. So that's all we have time for today. Next week, my guests will be Tilda Cameron and Tina Fjorda. It will be a fascinating show as they've written a book entitled Wisdom from the Other Side, a book completely written through the use of the Ouija board. Many of us, including me, have a negative view of this method of communication, and so it will be interesting to hear how they made this powerful connection and the information they received. I'm sorry that's all we have time for today. I'd like to thank Paul Elder, and I'd like to thank you, the listeners, for joining us today. Thank you so much. We hope that you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tong for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on 7th Wave Network.